advice for someone that is thinking about starting a team, I would, I think that I would talk to more people. You know, I had a time crunch of the eight months that my twins were going to be born. <laughs> yeah. So I was definitely, you know, in a, but I would say take your time and I would say talk to, you know, at least a dozen team leaders um, and, and how, how did they do it? You know, what, what does their structure look like? What's their advice? What did they do right? What did they do wrong? And most people are willing to share that. I think if you, if you ask, um, but yeah, I think, you know, culture is super important. Um, that's the main sort of driver and, and what's kept my team intact. So those people from 2017 are still with me. So the question is this, how do most agents succeed in today's competitive real estate market when all the successful agents are keeping the secrets to themselves? So that's the question. And this podcast will give you the answer. I interview agents from all over the world. I ask them their tactics and they share all of their secrets with me so we can give them to the world. I'm Aaron Amuchastegui and welcome to Real Estate Rockstars. Real Estate Rockstars, this is Aaron Amuchastegui. Today I get to interview Amy Florida from St. Louis, Missouri. We've been emailing and chatting back and forth for a while while we've been trying to figure out how we can mm -hmm. get... Uh, this thing scheduled and finally here we are good things come to those who wait Amy how's it going so good Aaron thank you so much I'm glad we were able to do this and uh, I, I agree it'll be worth a couple of reschedules worth a couple reschedules that were all my fault you know for for the record <laughs> no. so I was the I was the one that had to keep changing everything but now here we are the so what is it like up in mm -hmm. St. Louis Missouri um, so we are just the bustling center of the Midwest. No, you know, no coastal reality um, comparisons whatsoever. And there's all different sorts of things going on as far as real estate. Um, we work primarily just residential. And I think just like fashion and um, economic trends and real estate, everything moves from the coast in. So I think we're finally feeling what you know, everyone else has been feeling the best year. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I was actually just looking up some of those stats this morning. I want to say St. Louis was one of the ones that I was looking at. Um, yeah. On my chart. Let me see if I can figure it out really quick. So median sales price in St. Louis, Missouri. What's the is it what what county would that be? St. Louis County, St. Charles County are the ones that we work primarily in. I'll have to figure it out as we're going. For sure. some reason, it's not coming up, but I was looking at it this morning for the market. But it looked like it was like just now. You had still had you know year over year increases kind of happening. You know year over year right. price uh, appreciation happening. But I think right now, if I know right, you're just now settling into like year over year did not go up. It's it's not like falling, right. but like but the market is no longer like climbing year over year like it was. Today's price is the same price it was in April of last year. Uh, right. Yeah. Thing. I mean, I could definitely say, yeah, in the, the 10 plus years that I've been doing it, this is, yeah, the more steady. So the past couple of years, it, it was something insane, 10 to 12% increases on, yeah. on mar you know, value, which in Missouri, it's usually three to 4% yearly. So I think that we're going to see a little bit more leveling out, which obviously has implications for, you know, not only our team, but just like the industry in general here. Um, there's been some people falling out of the game and 
it's starting to get tough again. Yeah. Yeah. So the, so what's the average price point out there? You know, I, I mean, I or can certainly do? say, yeah, as our a team, we're at about 320. So if you compare to California, you know, what's three for the price of one. Yeah. Great. You know, great space for investments, I think, because of that. Um, but also just like a, a really cool place to be able to own like a, a reasonable, beautiful property as a family. So that's why, you know, I think it's a super cool place to be able to sell real estate. Obviously, we have uh, luxury listings. And if you want to spend, you know, $10 million, you certainly can. But as a regular earning person, or like I said, family, um, you really have the ability to own a decent sized property and and feel like you're you're doing well in the world here. Yeah. That's great. That's a great middle price. If it around 320,000 yeah. is a pretty common price there, I think that's very attainable especially if that's if that's what you're getting if most of the product um is there is, is like that you're going to have a, a good quality product at that median price that matches for a lot of families. And I think you're right. I think there's a lot of like central places in the US that are kind of in the center. Right. Like the coasts are, yes. are certainly market leaders and there are certain places like Phoenix, Arizona, you know, that are that be, tend to be market leaders. So there's other cities that like see things faster than the inner part of the country. And so there's yeah. pros and cons of that as you guys get to get to research that. How big is your team now? So I have uh, seven agents, including myself, and then I've got a licensed director of sales and then I have a separate transaction coordinator. Cool. So nine. Yeah. So right under 10. Right under 10 people on the team. And, so, and you have so seven active agents, then two other licensed people that help the other agents. Did I hear that right? Yeah. Uh, as far as admins, one is licensed. I have a licensed director of sales, and then I have an unlicensed transaction coordinator who does all the paperwork. None of my agents are allowed to touch paperwork because we're not good at it. Cool. Why do you set it up like that? Um, so I think it, you know, throughout my career, uh, learning about strengths and weaknesses, it's been my experience that the good agents, the ones that can become, you know, the A and B players and, and produce strongly typically are not good, um, at the, at the back end, almost at all, you know, allergic to CRMs and the paperwork's going to be messed up. So it's, it's much, you know, to my favor as a team leader, but then also, you know, to, in their favor. And that's sort of like my cost benefit analysis or my, um, you know, to join my team is that I'll take care of the things that you probably don't like doing anyway. Yeah. It's a great point. It's like, it's not only for you, for them, it's for you, right? You're like, oh, Hey, yeah. you're, if I leave it up to every, if I leave it up to people, yes, most people that become a real estate agent, it's because they like people. It's because they like talking to people. It's because they like serving people. They like the part of sales, but most of them, some of them do, but most of them don't like running mm -hmm. the CRMs. Uh, they don't like doing the paperwork. They don't like making sure there was an offer on a property that we had, uh, you know, that was coming in from an agent. And every time she had to make, I'd call her and go, we need to make this change. If you're going to, if you're going to write this offer, it's kind of, we were mm -hmm. verbally countering offer. And it seemed sure. like she got to a point where she was just like, she just wanted to not go any further because every time she was changing the paperwork, it was such a chore. Right. right. Like she just did yeah. like, and it was affecting her. It was affecting her job it was affecting her negotiations it was like and and might even affect the deal right getting done at the end of it because like she didn't like that part of it so if an agent's going to come join your team you're like hey you're only going to do the thing you're good at you're not allowed to do the things you're you're that like you don't want to do and so yeah. it's there's an advantage to joining your team in that sense but then it's also a cost benefit analysis for you because now you know that they you'll get an extra deal 
out of it, out of the, the whole office. How many deals do you guys do in a year? Uh, about 75 in that ballpark. Cool. Are you still in production yeah. yourself? I am right. Yeah. I'm still sort of, you know, the categorically the rainmaker. So I, you know, I guess for a lot of different reasons, but that's, that's how the team is sits today. I think eventually I would like to filter out of that, but I also like to work alongside my agents and in the trenches. And then I, you know, I also think that's like the best way to keep my pulse on what's going on, you know, not just for lead generation, but just like in the market, you know, if I'm really going to dive deep, if they need my help, I think it's easier for me to be able to speak to whatever problem, you know, cause there's a problem in every transaction, but as long as I'm still sort of involved. So, you know, I think that's the interesting thing about team management and teams in real estate is there's a million different ways to do them. Um, but right now I'm, I'm still in production. Cool. How, and then when did you become a licensed agent or, or yeah, when did you become a licensed agent? Uh, so it's about 11 years ago, I was in sales. I had signed a contract to, it wasn't recruiting. I'd signed a contract to work 60 hours a week for something less than $40,000 a year. And, you know, it was just shackled to my desk. Um, we were on call overnights. I missed everything with my son, um, who's 16 now. No, missed all his hockey games, missed all his. And so I responded to a Craigslist ad about a sales position and I, fell into real estate. So I actually had no, I wasn't one of those people that, you know, Oh, I love going to open houses. I love watching each. I just really want to sell houses. I just knew I was good at sales and I needed a different lifestyle to be able to be a mom. So <laughs> you needed a more higher paying, like a higher paying career that would let you be a mom. So you were like, so it was, it was more like you were searching out there. Like what works for my lifestyle? You're looking at different job ads and stuff. And this was like, okay, that could work for my lifestyle. What was that first year like? So then you get licensed and you said you were a young mom at the time or a mm -hmm. new mom at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had an eight year old. I just had one. And my first year, I think I have a unique experience that it was sort of fast tracked. So I only interviewed with one real estate company and they said, you know, Hey, listen, we'll give you a draw. If you do everything that we say, you'll make six figures in your first year. And I was, I mean, who's going to say no to that? So uh, that's yeah. exactly what happened. So, you know, I came in every day at 9 a.m. and uh, pounded the phones and I followed, you know, the guys on their appointments. I took every, I said yes to everything, worked, you know, every day. It was, you know, it was not probably that 60 hour block that I was doing, but I was definitely working every day, all day um, with the ability to pop into my son's Halloween party. So it's like now knowing what I know and talking to other, you know, partners in real estate, I think my experience was unique. But I also think it's interesting because I had no other frame of reference. I just, you know, that's what these guys told me. And I was like, I, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> well, it's, it, it's unique, but it's repeat, but it sounds like it's repeatable. So I want to, I want to dig into that a little bit. Yeah. More, right. So the, yeah. because, um, cause I've heard of that, right. I've heard of people saying like, Hey, you're the right fit. Hey, we need you. But giving somebody mm -hmm. draws at the very beginning in real estate is a risk and it's a, and the, it's oh, yeah. definitely, it's definitely a risk because one, you have to know the person is going to be kind of worth it, but they also, mm -hmm. they also have to know that they have a very effective plan that it's going to work out. So they were like, Hey, if you do what we say, if we, if mm -hmm. you do what we tell you to, you're going to do well. So yeah, what did they yeah. tell you to do? Right. So what did the, cause, and I think that there's a lot of people mm -hmm. right now that are trying to grow teams that are like, 
okay, in theory, is that possible? Like, how did they know? And what was that launching off point where they know, knew you would be successful? So you were in the, so tell me about like your average day at the office. So like, what was your first week like? What was your average day at the office? And how long until you got your first deal that, that was just yours? Mm-hmm. So uh, daily, it was, uh, you know, looking back, it was built, they were building repeatable habits and time blocking. So every day at the office at 9am, and we're making calls, so working on only new business for the first two hours, we could not address inspection notice, we could not, you know, talk about amendments, we couldn't talk about negotiations from yesterday's showings, things like that. So only new business for the first two hours, drilled into our heads, that's all we could do. And then ideally, um, you know, take, well, we always took a break, you know, for lunch. And then um, ideally, then we would have appointments throughout the afternoon and evening. And that was, you know, Monday through Friday, they made me take a day off during the week, because they realized I wasn't going to take a day off unless they made me. Um, (laughs) But yeah, looking back, I think it was, it was building all the things that, you know, all the real estate coaches are going to tell us what to do anyway. Um, And to your point, it's absolutely something that's repeatable and scalable and that, you know, we could be cranking this out all day long, but I think only in the right environment and only with the right individual and like that amount of grit and the person, you know, it's skill set, I suppose, but I also just think it's grit. I think it's someone that's gonna hustle and gonna and gonna not fail yeah there was no choice you know like that was i you know it was risky again in retrospect but i never thought of like what if this doesn't work out so first two hours of the day was just new prospecting so they were like you got going getting new people into Mm -hmm. our database and however however you were going to look at it but it was just prospecting new people. So with that, did they give you a list and say, start dialing? Or did they say, go run your, did they tell you, go run an export on expired listing? Like, how did you know who to call? And how did you know what Mm -hmm. to say? So we ran, you know, through Boomtown, just a a website or at the time you Google pay-per-click leads and realtor.com and Zillow leads. And so we would log in and, and, you know, they just follow the CRM prompts would be, and when there wasn't, when there wasn't just, you know, and so often it would just be, you know, you know, hi, Tom Smith, this is Amy Florida. And I saw that you looked at one, two, three main street. I want, I'll be in the area on Thursday at 4 PM. I wanted to see if you could, if you'd like to meet me there. So setting up appointments, um, I learned how to do that. Just listening. It really just took probably a week of listening to my mentor on the phone, just him pound the phones. Just by sit, kind uh, of sitting next to him and hearing him make the calls. Yeah. Yeah. And then more frighteningly having him listen to me, you know, I think that's something that new people that's, uh, it's, there's nothing more terrifying, but you know, how do you get better? And again, at the time I, you know, I had, I came from a position where I was cold calling, just not warm, cold calling everyone with a, with a, a nursing license in the state of Missouri. So they, they didn't, ask for a new job. They didn't click on anything online. So these calls were warm. They, it was at least someone who had clicked to see more photos or they clicked on one, two, three main street through Zillow and wanted, you know, they're in the, in front of a computer looking at houses. So to me, I was like, this is great. You know, I have some context. I have, they actually, and then, you know, before I picked up the phone every day, I would say they need my help. Um, and that seemed to work. <laughs> Even if me. they don't know it. 
That's like when we're calling you know? foreclosure leads and bankruptcy leads and like people that are about to like lose their houses. We're like, they, they yeah. need our help because well, they really some do. of them are going to yeah. hang up and cuss you out. And, but I guess a warm lead, it's less likely. So you would show up your company, your company or your team had set up a database and they were paying for leads to where these warm leads would come in and they weren't necessarily hot leads, but they were like people that were shopping. Like the, the, the example yeah. of the lead where like somebody clicked on pictures of a house and wanted more information, right. they, they could be 10 years away from buying a house or they could be quick, but at least they like had an interest in real estate. You were able to use that, make the calls. There wasn't really a mm -hmm. script, but you got to hear the script. And, right. um, what was the, what was the commission splits back then? Uh, 50, 50, you know, um, well, I had to pay back my draw and and that took six months. And then I yeah. did start my first check was at the, to me at the time, ginormous. And then I was in, but 50, 50, um, it made sense all day long. I got 20% just for showings, but it's all a, a numbers game, you know? Um, I was yeah. getting re recruited, you know, eventually, you know, after the first year and they're like, Oh, I'll give you 80 or not, you know, all these percentages. But looking back like that, yeah, it would still make sense for me. Well, it's today. a good, it's a good, I'm curious. I was curious because there's this difference between like join a team or join a brokerage that gives you a place to hang your office and a desk or right. join your team and a brokerage that provides training and no leads. But you're, but these guys were so confident. They were like, come in. We know you're going to make money. We're so confident. We'll pay you to come in. And that's mm -hmm. because they had really set up this system. We're like, no, we've got a system that works. We're requiring it. The leads are there. The system's there. She's going to succeed. And so 50, 50 yeah. split, I think um, there's people out there listening right now that are trying to figure out what their split should be as a team leader based on what they're giving. And so right. I think it's really great to say like, no, they made you a promise that they kept, which was like yeah. a dream come true. Like dream yeah. come true, I can make a hundred thousand dollars a year. Cool. Like splits was not what you were caring about, Great. especially no. with the way that that had started. And so, yeah. yeah, I think that the, and then later, yeah, you have all sorts of people who are like, oh, well now that you know how to do everything, Amy, why yeah. don't you right. come work? Kind of, why don't you come work for us instead? And we'll let you keep more of it because you've already been trained. Um, right. Yes. So what, that, and that so what year was that? Uh, so that 20, 12 is when I started. Cool. So 2012 is when you started. This is a good time to come into real estate, I think. Like prices had kind of like yeah. bottomed out and we're starting to come back up. The um, St. Louis probably wasn't too busy of an area at the time, but so it wasn't like it wasn't like a lot of a lot of volume going on. Like real estate wasn't really exciting mm -hmm. back then. It was just a need, right? It wasn't that prices were going up or down or anything was like making people want to buy houses. It was just like a need. So if people needed to move, they would buy a house. Yeah, I mean, I think we were close enough to when the market had crashed that most people thought I was crazy for getting into it. But uh, it was my best case scenario that I knew nothing about real estate. So yeah. I was like, I, let's give it a whirl. So how many deals did you do that first year? Um, I ended up selling $8 million of real estate. So I don't remember what that, you know, 25, something like yeah, that. Yeah, at an average price of 330. All right. So then what, so what was your growth since then so that was your first year how mm -hmm. have you how, how has your career progressed um i mean it's it's been you know it's going up and up and then it would have been you know left i eventually did leave the team for one of those uh different you know recruitment 
someone, you know, telling me that, you know, I'm going to get a larger portion of the split and then realizing that I didn't even know how to put uh, a listing into the MLS. But I <laughs> um, eventually figured that out. And then I had twins and I that sort of propelled me into a space that I could either, you know, put the brakes on my career and restart it over in a year and a half, or I could start to leverage, you know, buyer's agents, boots on the ground so that I could continue to do the work that I wanted to do. I, what I didn't want to do is have, you know, growing a family or having twins, you know, change the trajectory of my career because I was going up. And so even though that seemed like a lot to do in retrospect at the time, I started a team when I had twin babies. Hey guys, a quick commercial break here, but don't worry. This one is only going to run for the next two or three episodes. I talk so much about the mastermind. It's one of my passions, getting everybody to come hang out in Austin where I get to meet you guys. Well, we just had it, you know, a few weeks ago and we decided for next year, we were going to do pre-sales. We're only selling 70 tickets total for the whole country. And that way we keep it nice and small where everybody meets everybody. And the end of it, it's like a big giant family. Well, we put out the pre-sales last week. And in the, during the pre-sales, we sold more than 60 tickets. So there's less than 10 spots left. 10 spots left if you want to join us for the Mastermind for next year. We're putting the date so far out there. You've got no excuses um, to be able to know that the date works. You can put it in your calendar now. And we also set up a payment plan for people to break it up into four easy payments. So if you're one of those people that have thought about going to the Mastermind, have never pulled the trigger, now's the time. And it's for, it's for March for next year. But you got to go sign up now if you want that spot. I don't like selling. I don't like advertising. So we figured we would knock it out quickly. We'd knock it out, you know, this first couple weeks in April for next year. So instead of working on that, we're going to focus on value. If you do join the mastermind, you get to be a uh, join part of our private Facebook group where we do monthly Zoom calls, where we do tactics on those calls. They're really small. There's like, you know, between 10 and 20 people on those. So you get to ask lots of questions and learn from experts. So if you are interested in signing up, go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com forward slash mastermind real estate rockstars network.com forward slash mastermind go lock in your ticket we have less than 10 spots left you can break it up into four payments so that way it is much easier to to be sure to join and i promise you it is the least expensive mastermind out there for the type of stuff that we're doing you know the go abundance masterminds that i talk about that i'm a part of cost five times what we do for this and i try to deliver twice as much value all right back to the podcast so the, so, so you start, you were, you were busy, your career was going, now you had twins and you're like, wow, I don't have the time that I had before, or I don't have the schedule that I had before, but I don't want to like right. lose momentum. So mm -hmm. it's a little different. like, I think a lot of people start a team because they're like, they're, they're growing so much like, okay, I'm going to start a team next. And it was almost necessities, maybe the wrong word, but you were like, how can I keep going? And you're like, I can keep going with help. So how did you set up? Yeah how did you structure that at the beginning? Like, like when you first, when you, and, and, and I also think about it as how you did it and how would your advice be different for people right now? If somebody out there is like, Hey, I'm starting to get too busy uh, for mm -hmm. whatever reason, I mm -hmm. don't want to lose out on opportunity. I want to start a team. So how did you specifically do your transition and how would you have done it different? I just, used uh at the brokerage at the time had a team and i just used their blueprint um pulling a little bit from what i from my training i think if i would have done it differently i would have probably even pulled more from my training because you know that was obviously a proven replicatable 
uh, system that made me into an agent. But yeah, I, you know, I really, I, I talked to a bunch of people and there's just, that's what's so fascinating to me is there's just a million different ways to do this. You know, you can hire a bunch of showing agents, you could, you know, assign someone to listing coordination. A lot of people say you got to hire an admin first. I mean, there's, there's a million different ways to structure your team, but I, to answer your question, just found a couple of like-minded people that I knew that I could trust with my clients and that I would be able to like leverage and, and let go of my clients, you know, they're in good hands. And that's, you know, what happened is my best case scenario was that they were like, you know, Shonda's great. I, I don't even need to, I don't need your help right now if Shonda's got me or whatever. And they end up liking her more than me or, you know, that's perfect. That was, I think I, I think I hired correctly in the beginning for, you know, culture and character. Um, the logistics, I, I definitely would have done differently <laughs> knowing what I, what I know now, but you know, at the same time, it's like, here I am. I, you know, you don't want to look back and wish for something different, but advice for someone that is thinking about starting a team. I would, I think that I would talk to more people. You know, I had a time crunch of the eight months that my twins were going to be born. <laughs> yeah. So I was definitely, you know, in a, but I would say, take your time. And I would say, talk to, you know, at least a dozen team leaders um, and, and how, how did they do it? You know, what, what does their structure look like? What's their advice? What did they do right? What did they do wrong? And most people are willing to share that. I think if you, if you ask, um, but yeah, I think, you know, culture is super important. Um, that's the main sort of driver and, and what's kept my team intact. So those people from 2017 are still with me. How do you onboard new team members now? And are you, are you growing your team right now? And if you are, like, what's it like for them when they're first getting started? Do you assign them to a person? Is it like it was for you when you started? It's like, come in and start dialing. Like, what's it, what's it like if somebody comes and starts to do today? So today they, they start shadowing. So uh, I do more of, like, really making sure that they understand the way that I do it or the, the way that I want it done. And also just understand what on earth the job is because they're not leaving their real estate test knowing anything at all of what the job is. So uh, shadowing is a huge part of like the first 60 days in their training and then learning all of our backend systems. Um, but that's, you know, looking back to me, that's where I felt like I learned the most was actually watching someone have these conversations in the St. Louis basements about all the issues that there were, you know, during showings. And then so that's that's my huge belief is that that's still the best way. I don't have them come in to answer your question every day at nine um, um, and sort of try to meet people where they're at. So as much as I do think that I could crank out, you know, more you know, replicate, replicatable folks like me, I haven't come across a ton of those, you know, with the amount of people that I interview or that want to work on a team as opposed to maybe be a solo agent seem to lend a little bit more to maybe they don't want to be the $20 million producers. Yeah. Yeah. They don't have quite the same uh, goals to start with that they're not dreaming as big as you were dreaming and so then seeing somebody that really wants to put the work in what do you do for yeah. leads today where are you getting most of your your like your personal leads or your and and your mm -hmm. team 
Well, obviously referral and SOI is important, but uh, I have a geographical farm that I've been working for like eight, seven, eight years, Easter egg hunts every year, you know, Halloween house decorating contests. Um, I lived there and I think that helped. And then we also do some Zillow lead generation, but I mean, historically, if you look at our numbers, it's, it is the, the doing a good job for people and having that be replicatable. Um, so the sphere of influence past clients is still the biggest. So, and when you pay for leads through like Zillow or other places, are you doing it just in that ge geography that you're also marketing or do you do the, do you expand that part? Uh, we try to stay within that geography. However, I mean, it's been my experience that I personally don't know if it matters. Um, you know, we'll sell, we'll sell a house wherever they want to live at as long as it's, you know, fairly drivable. Um, but yeah, we, we try to keep it around, around our geographical farm, um, you know, becoming like a local specialist. I think there's, I think there's value in that and, you know, try the name recognition and a couple of zip codes has been valuable for me. Yeah. Set, I think setting up the geographical farm is, it's a unique strategy. It's a unique strategy mm -hmm. to have it be one of, one of the main ones. I don't talk to a whole lot of people, um, that mm -hmm. do it, that do it that way, but. But also, but I get postcards, you know, once a month in my neighborhood that's from somebody that says, hey, I live in your neighborhood and this is the deal that I sold last month. And it's, they don't have my name on it, right? They have resident. And so that's the idea of a, a geographical farm is somebody saying, this is where I want to do business. And then Bill, one of the guys that, that comes to our mastermind uh, in Austin, he's part of our community online. The, he was telling a lot of the group about that, that he does geographical farming where he takes these giant areas and sometimes, sometimes it's the whole city or the, the zip code It's taking these giant areas and just marketing the heck out of those with mailers, with letters, with like just this name recognition. That's like the other part of the numbers game where I think it's easier to play that yeah. numbers game in higher priced markets because you only need to get, you know, one deal out of every, you know, 10,000 letters that you send, right? One prospect out of 10,000 letters that you send, but he wants to be known as like, you know, um, it's, it's almost like the unofficial mayor of his area. He wants to be known as the real estate guy in his area. So you have a geographical mm -hmm. farming target and then what are mm -hmm. you doing there? So you mentioned that you do some events. So tell us about those events. And then do you do postcards, letters? How often, if somebody wanted to do this where they live and they're like, I should start geographical. That sounds good, but what does that really mean? Mm -hmm. What's the blueprint you would tell them? Um, yeah, I mean, I would tell them, for me, it was it was tangible and and doable because I kept it small. I mean, I have I had a mixed residential geographical farm that I lived in. I had already lived in when I got into real estate. And I continued to live in so townhomes, uh, condos, and single family homes. So, in a way, that made it perfect because it was transitory. Like people didn't stay long in these condos and townhomes and things. Hey, like they started a condo. They go to the townhome. They upgrade to a house. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, the movement, you know, numbers wise, I think there's a percentage of, of movement that you should have if you're if you're researching. It had those numbers were on on target. But, you know, also I happen to live there. I think it's if I were to give someone advice, it would be that you have to know that it's a long game. So if you do something for three to six months and, and you don't have a listing and you back out, then you've completely wasted three to six months and you should have been calling expires or something like that. So I knew that it was going to take a minute. You know, luckily I already knew a lot of people in the farm. And to be honest with you, I didn't do any mailers or postcards for the first couple of years. So um, 
I worked with what I had. Like they had a dog park. So I called a local dog bakery and let's have a dog party, you know, like a dog park party and we can do pictures and um, it was events. So that was my main thing was of being like an event coordinator. So I bought a little free library. I don't, you know what those are where you see them by playgrounds. They just stick. Yeah. Like the, yeah, the little spot on the, on the corner where people, you put a book in, pull a book out. Absolutely. So I did that and it right to, to this day, it says, you know, sponsored by your neighborhood realtor, Amy Florida. And I had a ribbon cutting and a grand opening and a snow cone truck and people then now they're listening, you know, and it's on the community Facebook page, you know, sponsored by me, but it was like, it was very not salesy. And that's what I, I wonder if me not doing all of the typical real estate activities with the, with the postcards and stuff. I wonder if that made a difference because I was more like, listen, I'm a mom. I live in your community. I want there to be block parties and dog parties and Easter egg hunts, and I'm going to do it. I had nothing to lose. So, you know, they were doing dumpster days. I would say, well, then let's do donuts and dumpster days. And I would sit up at the clubhouse and I would provide the donuts and, and that was all the people that live there and they're all coming. And like, what a perfect way to just have conversations with people. And again, it wasn't like, Hey, are you living in your dream home? And how long are you going to stay? It was just like, I'm Amy. How are you doing? And tell me about your, you know, just like knowing people. Um, yeah. So there's some sort of event that was bringing people together in the community already. So you would say like, how yeah. do I just kind of tie onto this? And it was, and not, not expensive ones, not like buying an expensive booth somewhere. How difficult is it to put yeah. on an Easter egg hunt? That sounds like a like yeah. a pretty big effort of like community building. Yeah. I mean, the past couple of years we have been like, whew, like, right, you know, right before we're like, okay, we're going to do this. And we always do, but it is, uh, I would, I would compare it to like a, a, a small wedding, the, the effort that is involved in going up to it. And then for the, for the seven minutes that those kids are doing the, you know, it's very disproportionate, the amount of work that goes into it based on the time, but I, it's a hundred percent worth it every single time. You know, I don't know if it's measurable, like every, you know, month after Easter, I get a listing, but it's, it's name recognition. It's, you know, oh my gosh, thanks, Amy. That was so cool. And I, you know, I want to believe that at least it's getting me some at bats. And and when I can get those, I typically can get the listing too. So, I mean, it's worth every single minute that I have spent doing those, filling those damn eggs. So if somebody wants, uh, so if you're doing an Easter thing, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. so what, so how much or how little did you sell during that? Is it like, you come on with the microphone and say, thanks for coming. I'm Amy Florida. I'm your neighborhood agent. And you move on. Is it a sticker or a sign somewhere? Are you trying to capture emails and phone numbers? Like how aggressive of an outreach? And, so, and, I, and I guess the same for all your events, right? Like mm -hmm. we sell foreclosure lists. And when people come to the courthouse, our goal is to get their name, their number, their email, right? We're trying to get that contact, throw it into our CRM. Mm -hmm. We're very aggressive at that. We're trying to get those customers. So I'd mm -hmm. be curious of what, what level of aggressiveness are you for trying to like capture again? Is it just name recognition? You're trying to get people added in the database. Uh, both. They'd say, you know, post event, it is aggressive about capturing the information, but it's also just as you would sign up for, you know, any other event in the community. It's like a head count is, is what I think people are, are thinking, you know, so you're RSVPing for the Easter egg hunt, you know, what's your address and how many kids and what's your name? 
and period. Right. And then cool. Right? You're like, do you live in our neighborhood? And how many kids do you have? So yeah. you feel that's pretty. That's a pretty fair ask. Like, yep, we're gonna be there. Yeah. We live down yeah. the street, and we've got three kids. Right. And then right. So then we do have that information, and yeah, like they'll they'll pop up on our CRMs, unlikely to sell. You know, two, three, four. What you know their their address, and obviously, yes, that's we want that information. There's a purpose, a business purpose behind all of that. But at the event, there's just you know me and my team are there we're wearing our our shirts but it's not it's not a sales thing at all uh, most people know who i am by now and i'm you know i love talking to people and and hanging out but at no point do we say you know don't forget to list your house with you know i mean it's i feel like if if you do if you do it right and and you sell enough you know there was one point when I lived there that I had yeah 98% of the signs in the yard and I've moved I still have been able to keep you know at least one sign in a yard since I've left um so it's just a combination of those things you do a good job for the people that you're doing those listings and then they see you at the easter egg hunt and so yeah it's it's not one way to get to it and it takes so much effort and it doesn't pay off for years, not months, not weeks, like years, like two or three yeah. years. And then you could have every sign in the yard though. I mean, that's, that's invaluable. It's the long game. Do you play? Um, so do you get their, the, the kids ages when you're asking them for these right Uh, Yeah. I mean, right now it's my, it's like my admins that take care of it, but I think that we do because we divide them into groups. Right. One well, thing, there's these, it's this hot. I mean, leads become very hot when like the oldest kid gets to be like 17, right? Smart. Or I like when the that. youngest I... kid gets to be 16 or 17, that family's moving, right? They're moving yes. soon or they're starting to look, they're like, this kid's about to graduate from high school. We're going to have, right. we're going to have one less person in the house. So they start making that transition. So there's this like hot lead that's for sale out there. That's based on that. Mm -hmm. That's based on like kind of age, like one of the likely to sell criteria oh, cool. that like some of our software spits out for people is kind of yeah. that if we could figure out those ages. And I think it's kind of an Easter egg hunt's almost like such a brilliant thing because you could say, how many kids yeah. do you have? What are their ages? And the, and it's a very informal thing that like is not intrusive to ask, like to make sure they're allowed to be at the Easter egg hunt, but it's valuable information yeah. for knowing like, oh, their kids about to go in their senior year. They're starting to think about selling their house and growing. And, and I love that. I, I think at every age, then you could, there's a marketing campaign towards that, you know, that's a good point too, right? right? Like the, the more that you know yeah. about your customers, the more you can tailor things, it's hard to ask them for a lot of information. So if there's these events that you, that you can figure out with, like, I guess also mm -hmm. it's like, depends on how far people could take this if they go try it. But like, if it's the dog mm -hmm. park party, right, you automatically yeah. know, like they have the box checked in the CRM that these people have a dog. So if you're going to do any sort of follow up, yeah. like they would be for the other events or maybe some of the stuff is tailored around that. But I, I love this idea of, of events because you can very yeah. softly get information and get leads, but you're not even really doing it for the aggressive leads. You're getting it for the name recognition. So when people think real estate, they think Amy, Florida. But if you do have some lead, you know, if you do get to generate some leads from it, it just helps a little bit of that extra outreach, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's more about getting the correct information too. So, yeah. right. Cause like, that's the, the loophole in the online, you know, that they put all nines for their phone numbers or the, we've all seen the emails at gmail.com, the ones that are unsavory. Yeah. A at a.com. Right. <laughs> right. 
Um, so I think that's the golden piece of the events is that just like if you and I were to sign up for a webinar or an event that we really truly have every, you know, intention upon in attending, then we are going to give them the right information because we want to make sure that this is a two-way street that we can actually go. Our kids get in the right spot so that they can go. So right. um, we, want the, we want the information, we want the update, and we don't want to be turned away. Hey, real estate rock stars. We only have a few minutes left in this episode, but before we get to the grand finale, I just want to say, as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. You know, podcasts are obviously free. You don't have to pay to listen to the podcast, but if you could pay one thing, if I could charge you one thing to listen to this podcast, what I would ask you to do is go, please make a review. Go to wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's on YouTube or on Apple or Android, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go give me a review of the podcast. I read them. I listen to them. I try to make adjustments. You know, a couple of years ago, I had a ton of bad reviews on the sound quality or the number of advertisements, things like that. And I've really tried to dial in to add value for all of you guys. So please, please, please go do a review. If you want to get a, a copy of the toolbox of the stuff that you know everybody that comes on the show, they give us some tactics. They give us something that we put in what we call our toolbox. And so to get that, you go to realestaterockstarsnetwork.com. When you get there, click on the, the toolbox and you get access to the free gift that every person that we interview on the episode provides. There's things like, you know, uh, listing tactics, how to do a presentation, you know, how to do a newsletter, all sorts of cool, fun stuff. And if you want to talk to me, go find me on Instagram at Aaron Amuchastegui. Ask me a question. I talk to so many of you guys on there. All right, back to the show. Thanks again for being a listener. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think that there's, that there's more to, I'm, I'm glad that you said some of that because I think, you know, in St. Louis, something like 30% of people move just to, so that their dog, their dog has the backyard that they deserve or something. So, you know, I think that that's a whole separate campaign. So to your point, Dude, that's a whole email, to, like a new listing it, comes on with a giant yard. Yeah. You're like, there's the, right. the, the, finding the house of the yard, your dog deserves like, They'll be like, how does she know I have a dog? And it's like they won't Or they even won't know. even like, think about it, right? They'll just no, be they like, yes. Right. Uh, that's the cool thing about yeah. even those really tailored campaigns. They don't even think about why. They just go like, oh, I open, right. they open that email. They open that email because yeah. they care. They're not even thinking, why did Amy send this to yeah. me? They're like, I'm glad Amy thought of me. Uh, yeah. How cool is that? How cool is she? How, yeah. But they are, though. People are moving further. I love that. I mean, it, it's fascinating to me. And then you're right. You know, we, we've set up we have a space now that we know who has a dog. So, and they're obsessed with their dogs. And I'm obsessed yeah, with my dog. That's the other thing is like dog people are obsessed with, obsessed with their dogs. It's part of, it's part of life. Every, every trip you plan, you have to think about where's the dog going to go. Uh, oh yeah. When you do some of that stuff, this has been yeah, a lot of fun. Would, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, no, I, 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 I like agree. Getting I mean, to hear I, about how you started like your story. Thank you is super unique in the sense that somebody made you a bold promise, but they could deliver on it. I think it's replicable. I think people could do it. Yeah. I think it takes unique stuff. It's it's pretty, it's bold, but it's like exciting to hear it. And for some of the people out there mm -hmm. that are thinking about doing some recruiting, I hope it challenges some of them to say like, is our system so good? We can guarantee our agents. They're going to make money because that's yeah. really when you should be willing to hire somebody. When you know your system is so good, 
that if you plug them in and they do what they tell you they will do, they will make money. Can you make that promise? And as you share that, it's like, it's such a bold thing that I think more people should be able to figure out. Cause I think a lot of agents and teams and brokers don't, we don't have that where it's like, right. yeah, do what we tell you to do. We'll plug you in. We know what you're going to do on day one. They're automatically like set up for success. That's really exciting. And I think that more people can do that. And I like that. And I like that this, the way that it was set up to like help you how to, to time block. And I really like this ge geography right. idea of, you know, using events to get your name out there, to meet people, to focus on an area. And sometimes you have every, mm -hmm. every yard that's for sale is your signs. And other times it's just mm -hmm. one, but, but you don't, but when you meet somebody and you say, I'm Amy Florida, they'll go, Oh, I've seen your name or I've seen, they're not right. like, Oh, what do you do? They're like, yeah. Oh, you must do real estate. So of all that stuff, so we've talked about lots of stuff. I guess my last question to you, um, and again, thanks for coming on and providing so much value for every, every, everybody. But I think the last question is like, um, what is like, what's the one thing you wish you knew when you started that, you know, now, or like, what is the thing that you think all real estate agents right now need to know? Like what, what either, either, what do you wish you would have, would have known at the beginning or what's really important for people to know now in today's market? Um, I mean, I think I wish I would have known the losses, the, the number of losses that it took to get to a win. Although maybe it's good that I didn't, um, yeah. you know, the, the, reason that you know that i have been successful is the being able to bounce back from the amount of losses and i also think that if i would have learned more about you know real estate uh before entering it you know i think i think it's important that you decide if you want it to be a team sport or not i firmly believe that it is a team sport and that if you can collaborate and and value collaboration before your ego and your own you know name and things like that. Um, that's the only way that you can get, you know, reach your goals. It's an easier way to reach your goals is to make it a team sport. And, and maybe that's the whole thing is that it is sort of like, if you can look at it like a sport and you can, you know, get up at 3am and, and bounce the ball, whether you lost or won last night, you know, and maybe you get up at two 30 tomorrow because you got to try a little harder cause you did lose. But, um, yeah, losses and wins and, um, and figuring out if you're if you know if you're collaborative and you need to be on a team and you want to be on a team, um, or if you just want to do it on your own and maybe just because you got really good doesn't mean you should be a team leader. Maybe it just means something else. You know, doesn't mean you're good leaders. Really good at real estate. Yeah, it's a sport, right? Like the I I, yes, I love that high and contact that, competitive sport. A high contact competitive sport. And <laughs> even when you're losing, you're getting better. And even like when you're getting the reps in and being able to like, sell, like everybody's going to have some losses. And so just understanding like, okay, we're going to have a certain amount of those or even Especially being able to celebrate losing. them because every, every time you lose one, you're one step closer to not losing the next one. But yeah, it's not yeah. real. It's not for the faint of heart, but man, there's no ceiling <laughs> right. and it's always right. really, really exciting. Yes. I love it. I wouldn't, I would never, you know, do anything differently. I can't imagine. Amy, um, if people want to reach out to you, if they've got more questions, if they want to send you, if they have somebody that that's a buyer heading to St. Louis, Missouri, or they want to talk to you, what's the best way they can find you? Uh, I'm online at amyfloridaco.com or amy.florida at compass.com is my email. And I would love to connect. I'm happy to help and eager to, you know, help folks that are thinking about 
moving or thinking about starting teams or any just any way that I can help. Yeah, I love that. I love that your team stuff is working so well. That you've got great advice uh, for people. And so the yes, yeah, so reach out to Amy, guys, if you've got questions. The and I didn't even get to. Thanks for being a listener, Amy. I didn't even get to get a chance to see what episodes oh. you liked or, or or what you've learned as being a part of the podcast. But thanks for being a podcast listener. Thanks for applying to to come on, and thanks for all the value Absolutely. that you gave back today. Thank you. It was so awesome for the opportunity. I appreciate it so much, Aaron. Real estate rock stars. Thanks for listening. <laughs> All right. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.